Oh, good day, everyone, and welcome to a post-grand final edition of the Weekend Wrap, brought to you by Crowcast, of course. No Crows playing, of course, but it was an important match, and I think we uh, we decided a couple of things about some great players and some not-so-great so players. Lots to talk about, and uh, we're heading into draft and trade, so uh, plenty to talk about with the Crows there. So let's get started, shall we? We had to get a dig in on Dangerfield in the first 30 seconds, 90-90 Crow. Uh, it uh, would have been remiss of me not to mention that straight off the bat. Welcome everyone. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on uh, YouTube and Facebook and even Twitch, as well as the audio feed on Spreaker. Uh, it's a Sunday night post-grand final. And uh, yeah, it's uh, an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, Dusty, greatest of all time. And uh, maybe... Patrick, not so much. Maka, Nikki, how are you going? Ah, very good. I'm doing pretty well, and uh, I endorse your comments on the uh, Dusty Martin and uh, Dangerfield situation. I mean, it's good to be good during the year, but it's excellent to be good when it matters. And it really only matters on grand final day. Well, that's when it matters the most. Uh, you got people that... Uh, We'll stand up um, and get the team to the grand final, but I tell you what, without Dusty, um, Richmond aren't winning that game. And uh, say what you like about the bloke, but he just animaled that uh, game back into Richmond's favour in late in the, th- in the second quarter and early in the third. Uh, just a fantastic effort. Um, so, yeah, g'day to everyone on the chat. G'day, uh, Patrick, watching on YouTube, 1990 on Twitch. Uh, we've got Kempi, we've got Maddie. Uh, I'm sure we'll have Vardy and J-Mac along soon. Uh, don't forget, if you want to um, get amongst the chat, you can either join our Discord channel, which I highly recommend because it's a good time listening to the chat and as well as the live show chat. There's also uh, plenty of chat channels to talk about footy and the crows and even some other sports uh 24 so get around discord uh you don't even have to have discord installed on your phone although i recommend that you do but you can uh actually just join in on the chat via our website uh aflcrowcast.com go to the live chat channel nikki you'd know all about that and uh just uh follow <laughs> your do. nose <laughs> follow your nose and you, you like can to- join in because you lectured me about it last time because i was like oh. <laughs> well <laughs> How many times have I talked about it? Uh, Look, all good. Um, Okay, let's talk, I guess, about uh, the grand final first of all. Um, It's a pretty good game, really, I thought. Didn't you? I thought it was an excellent game, actually, to be honest. Uh, um, When I I first saw the beginning and I saw the Brisbane Cricket Ground and... um, the pre-game entertainment was very, very poor, in my opinion, and oh, I thought the entertainment myself, was always bloody poor. I thought to myself, this is going to be a schmozzle, but the game started, and I expected 
uh, Richmond probably to take control fairly early, but they didn't. Geelong did, and I thought, hello, this is going to be a lot different than I thought it was going to pan out. And mm. But then Martin did that excellent bit of play to get a goal just before half-time, which gave, um, gave them hope. And then in the second half, of course, as we know what happened there, and overall, I thought it, it, it had a lot in it. I mean, the... the it had some good play. It had some poor play. It had some a lot of physicality. It had those injuries, um, and it had the retirements. It had the uh, excellent behaviour by Richmond after the game. It had a lot, didn't it? Yeah, it, it did. It didn't. I, I agree with um, uh, who was it in the chat? Uh, can't see it there. Uh, it didn't feel like a grand final to me. It just everyone. I mean, they've. I think. I don't know about you. Um, but I think it might have just answered the question about whether a night grand final was the right way to go. Well, I do agree with that part of it. Um, I, was, I was actually referring to it as a game and, and did it, how it absorbed my interest. But um, in terms of did it have the feel uh, like the grand finals are when they're held at the MCG and there's going to be 100,000 crowd and held in the daytime? No, nothing like that at all. It was just, as I said, it was a good game. And... Um, but I didn't say it was a great grand final. Um, so that was my actual instinctive reaction without even thinking about it. So um, I think I think that's a fair comment. I think I would like to see it return back to the day. And I, and much as we do complain about the MTG being used as the base, it, it, it does have that bit of quality about it. How do you think I about it? What do you think that- about it, Nick? I think it's more that we're used to it being a day grand final. The the problem was that the night grand final would have been fine if it was played here in terms of the skill level because we wouldn't have had that absolute piss down of rain that occurred and then it being um, quite warm. Because you saw how many times did Dusty actually go and change his boots? And I reckon that was because of how soaked they were actually getting. Yeah, of course. And it, because he relies so much on agility. So, yeah, smart bloody move on his part to do it. So I think that's where a lot of that skill level came down and we didn't see the higher level skill of, that we're kind of used to. But you also put it in part that this season, the skill level hasn't been good all season. And I liked it um, in terms of the, the pressure of the game um, and everything else that went on. The first half, very much, I was thinking, hey, Tigers fans, this is how we felt in 2017. Look what happens when you got a whole lot of injuries. Then finding out later that uh, Bashahuli actually tore his calf in the first quarter and played out yeah. the rest of the game. Yeah, gutsy stuff, that. Oh, look, I've torn a hamstring and I've competed on that afterwards, and I know no. it bloody hurts. Calves <laughs> another thing entirely. You... Yeah. Calves oh, yeah. are another thing oh, entirely. Yeah. They, that's a tight muscle oh, to yes. start off with. Uh, when you're doing gymnastics, a hamstring's kind of very – you need that. Um, so it is kind of a little bit similar um, mm. in a way. But, yeah, absolute fair play to to him to do that because the, the team just couldn't afford another player to go down. Um, the, the bunch of cover bands at the start was just wrong. Um, <laughs> and as I said in one of the – you don't attempt to cover Powderfinger. <laughs> you just don't. <laughs> Particularly that song, which is a dirge already, but they can do it with power. <laughs> Whoever they were, nope. Um, I've, they kind of got it a little bit right, except for the choice of band at halftime. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, 
because that's what a night grand final does. It's all about actually being able to use it visually for a television audience, which is what the um, NFL does. That's why they spend so much money on it. But watching it, you could just see that the AFL didn't have a lot of money to spend, and that's yeah. what they did. Do you know um, what? I, and I reckon... do agree with 1990 Crow. Should have just done Wolf Mother. Well, here's my take on it. I reckon we've been banging on about halftime entertainment with the uh, grand final feat as long as I can remember, since I was a kid. I reckon we should just accept the fact that Australians aren't like Americans. Americans love that big show. They love the big fireworks. They've got tons of money in all of their um, professional sports. Um, why do we need to have such a big extravaganza at half time? We've got tons of TV screens around the ovals these days. They can put stuff up on the screens to, to keep people occupied. Half the time, people are, are going to get a beer or going to the toilet or something like that anyway. Um, I think I think the AFL actually needs to rethink the whole concept of halftime entertainment because I don't actually think that we need it, to be honest. But I think it's also... We don't really need that the stuff beforehand because, quite honestly, we had a friend come over because her husband was actually up at the game because not only is he a Crow supporter, he's also a Richmond supporter. So he had a lovely time. Um, well, by the end, he had a lovely time. He didn't have a lovely time getting uh, very <laughs> wet on the way to the ground. Uh, but we actually turned the sound out. I only turned the sound up when I saw Thelma Plum was singing because I yeah. absolutely adore her as an artist. Um yeah. But then we turned it back down again, kind of quietly, because we were wanted to chat beforehand about the game and other things and catching up. We weren't interested in that pre-entertainment. It's I'm, seriously, it's a crock of shit. We just want to get to the game. That's we it. We don't do oh, we don't do razzle dazzle, do we? I, I don't think it's us, and no. we should be true to who we are. Sorry, Mac, I cut you off there. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm surprised you like that bird singing. I thought she was absolutely shit house, Nikki. <laughs> no, no. What? no, which one? Because there were a number. Velma Plum no. was at the very, very start where they no. Um, had a couple. No, she was having massive problems with her earpiece, and so she actually stopped singing. So I yeah, and I, think I noticed she was other having trouble with also. her mouthpiece. Well, no, I, I noticed other. About. You could hear other. You could see the other artists were actually putting their fingers up to their ear pierce and pulling it out, and the hands were going up. So I think there were massive issues as well uh, on the audio technical side, which I think probably didn't help performance wise. Well, I, I don't. The guy I'm on with Fiend was a great big crock of shit. That 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 pregame entertainment. I actually tweeted that. Uh, um, and then I was watching it, and, uh, and you know, I could knock out a fair tune on a cone. So, why am wasn't I there? So, you know, <laughs> seriously, right. I just thought that, that's how bad I thought it was. So, consensus back to a 2.30 start or a 3 o'clock start for the AFL? Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think Nikki. it's kind of funny that so yeah, so many people in response to that um, on Twitter were just basically, or by the end of the game, were going, "Kids can't stay up this late." No, <laughs> well, it was, it was interesting even but, to hear the players today on Channel Nine when they were being interviewed and saying, you know, by the time the the game finished and all the rest of it, you know, it's like eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, and normally, like we know from when the Crows won those grand finals that. By the time you get back to the rooms, after you've done the circle, then you've actually catch up with family and friends. Then you actually go out onto the ground and have like yeah. 
a quiet photo with just all the team, everything else. Then you have to go off to the other function, like the official function. Yeah. And they generally come straight for that. There's a long, long thing. So I think that's what we're used to. And footy has always traditionally been, as much as sometimes I say, you know, history can be changed because that's what history is there for. Yeah. I, I agree. I think the 2.30 star is right. And it works well for people to get together, have a lunch, you yeah. know, whatever, catch up and then sit down and watch the game. And Agreed. the game's over by pretty much tea time. And then you Agreed. eat the leftovers. Yeah. Agree. Um, g'day to uh, Flaming Power on uh, Twitch. Uh, I'm a bit concerned about the uh, nickname, but, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> we'll uh, give you the benefit of the doubt, mate. Uh, it's a Crows podcast, in case you were wondering. Um, look, let's talk about the game quickly. Uh, and it was Richmond in the end, 12 9 uh, running all over the top of Geelong, 7 8 a margin of 31 points in the end. Um, up to half time, uh, well, certainly up to about 15 minutes into the second quarter, uh, it certainly looked like Geelong's game to lose. Um, but um, after, well, just that last five minute patch in the second quarter, um, when Geelong had 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 plenty of chances to uh, to really put the pressure, put the wood on Richmond. Um, and they didn't do it. They were inaccurate. They were wasteful with their opportunities. And Dusty at the end, uh, just getting a goal to keep Richmond in touch and give them momentum. And uh, boy, did they take it with both hands after half time. I'm just going to address the elephant in the room straight away, Mac, because you and I and Nikki, you probably agree too. We've been banging on about Chris Scott. Why the yeah. hell yep. did Chris Scott not start Dangerfield in the middle in the third quarter? Why didn't he lost do it? The, lost, lost all their impetus. And that was absolute insanity. And um, not only that, not only did he keep him up forward, instead of putting him back on the ball, he, he took him off for a rest. And then he hadn't even been in the bloody play. I yeah. just could not understand that. And look, you know, we've never, ever rated Chris Scott as a, as a good no. coach. No. I mean, not one, not one that's going to get premiership after premiership because he's had opportunity after opportunity and he's had good team after good team and he doesn't get there. It was just a terrible call. Terrible call. Uh, You know, it was very obvious. It was very obvious that Dusty Martin was going to put Richmond on his back and get them back back into the game. And if there was ever an opportunity, like Phil Walsh did when he put Dangerfield on Fife all those years ago, to go, all right, Danger, all right, Danger, we need Dusty silenced. We need you to have an impact. Um, because it was very clear that Martin was going to drag him back into the game, he had the opportunity to use his best player against his opposition's best player, and he didn't do it. And, I, you know, I, a lot of people ragging on, on Patrick for a quiet game. I felt he was quite good in the first half, particularly in the first quarter. Um, but he didn't get an opportunity. His coach didn't give him an opportunity. No, I thought very bad coaching by Scott. Um, but as I said, that that goes with the territory. He failed in the big time, uh, time after time. And, and uh, this was just another example. Of it. The interesting thing about it was too is that Geelong were in such command prior to that goal that uh, Dusty Martin got in the second quarter. Um, I think it was 22 points and uh, then Dusty got the goal. And they did have an opportunity to get a goal just before that themselves. Yeah. And... And I said to Mrs. Macker at the time, 
but missing that opportunity, though they bungled some path or whatever they did, uh, yep. might have might just be the thing that they're going to regret at the end of the day. Well, I didn't realise it was going to be as re- regretful and big as it was. Yeah. I was delighted. Yeah. I was delighted because I had plenty on Richmond because um, I had I thought they would do exactly what they did do, but they just did it a lot later yeah. than I thought they'd do it. And the thing was, um, um, I mean, Jared and I has actually pointed out in the chat, the only thing that they can think of is that the Cats were winning the contested ball and thought Danger would be more effective forward, which is true because that Richmond midfield was shocking. Um, you know, I actually thought Nankervis was probably the best player for Geelong. Um, well, that was the other key move that Hardwick made is uh, bringing that other lad from, uh, took him off uh, Hawkins and brought him yeah. into the ruck. Yeah, made a a big difference. Who who was the Richmond defender on Dangerfield? Because they did an absolutely outstanding job on him in the third quarter. Well, he moved Grimes onto him. He moved Grimes onto him in the third quarter. Yeah, and he's because he's strong enough and he's smart enough just to do those little body pushes. Yeah, just to get him away from the ball, not not give him that kind of that clear easy run at it that he's used yeah. to. Yeah. Um, and I and I thought that's kind of where they won it. Yeah. The well, fact that Richmond started to get those repeat entries towards the, mm. the end of, well, just before halftime, that's what helped. And then Dusty was just r- ridiculous being Dusty. And but, it left them within three goals. But that's that, nothing. That, that move that Fiend was referring to, that was Bolter. And uh, he, he's a very, very... He's only about 21, I think, mm. is he, and he, the first season of uh, footy. But, yeah, it was a, was a big winning move, wasn't it, Fiend? Uh, Absolutely. It just turned the, turned the midfield around. And uh, my, well, the lad I'm really in love with at the moment, Shea Bolton, who I think is going to be a super Had an excellent game. Had an excellent yeah. game. Macy, did, Macy didn't get votes in the Norman Smith. I thought he should have. Well, I think there was well, – I mean, Jaden Shaw um, – did really well, um, and I think he was deserved. Uh, it was interesting again. On if anyone watched the footage show today, they asked um, Lee Matthews why he put in um, someone Broad. else. Who was it? Uh, Broad, and uh, he admitted that it had been a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that was a shocking by him. A mistake. So you know, I mean, wow. Uh, he'd meant to put in short, and he didn't actually realise that he'd put Broad in. What a to the old fart. And are there P- numbers close together? That's all I can think of. I don't know. But P.S., how does Damien Barrett get on that bloody panel? God damn. No. Damien Barrett, over- for goodness sake. Absolute overrated twat he is. And he, and he hates us. Oh, yeah, but anyway. So, no, but Macca, I, I look... Just a, just a, I was just going to back up Macca regarding Bolton and the reason why I rated his game so highly mm. in terms of the Richmond comeback was... Geelong were doing very well at keeping their delivery, Richmond delivery into the forward line quite high up. And once Rich Bolton was one of those who was actually being able to break those lines, get closer in and do the deeper entries, which was causing the massive problems for the Geelong defence. And for me, that's where I, why I rated Bolton's game quite highly. Guess Martin, with what he did, he was always going to get the normal speed, particularly after he kicked that last ridiculous goal. Um, but I really rated that Bolton's ability to break the lines and get better entries into their forward 50 and deeper entries yeah. were what really helped them take command and kick those eight goals to one. Yep. Yeah, um, he, 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 he has two real qualities that you love in a footballer. He has elusiveness, 
to go to go along with his pace. So it's not just mm. sheer pace and then run into trouble. He can get in and out of trouble. I just I think he's going to be a very very good player down the track. Yep, agree. Um, look, uh, what I found interesting after the game, um, I, I was listening to the radio uh, wrap up actually after the game, and uh, it was interesting when they were. Uh, Giving out the premiership medals, you know, Kerry uh, and that were having a uh, giving a little commentary on what they thought the the player did, and it was amazing how many Richmond players uh, were mentioned had quiet games, and when you think about it, they only had a couple that really stood out. I thought, uh, you know, Short was good, Dustin was obviously great, uh, Cochin was yep. sort of in and out of it, Shay Bolton was really good. Um, I thought uh, Shane Edwards was good. Um, and uh, Bolter in the second half, I thought was good. I thought um, uh, um, Dylan Grimes, obviously. We have a look. Uh, Prestia was in and out of it. Uh, Kane Lambert was in and out of it. McIntosh was in and out of it. Um, uh, Castagna was in and out of it. Hawley was Hawley yeah. was very quiet. Revolt was very quiet. Um, you know, Lynch was very quiet. Um, you know, they had a lot of Daniel Rioli hardly got the ball. Um, and when he did, it wasn't good. You know, so the, it wasn't what you would call a team effort. What happened, in my opinion, in the second half is that all the key players for Richmond, all the key movers, um, the drivers uh, for that team, they stood up in the second half. That And to Correct. me, that was a dis- difference. It wasn't a, a team effort. It wasn't spread across lots of individuals. They didn't have... Um, you know, cameos like a Shane Allen sort of thing. It was the the key Tigers players in the second half decided that they were, weren't going to lose the game without a fight, and they kicked into gear and away they went. And it was the key players for Geelong who didn't stand up. I thought Mitchie Duncan was probably their best. I would have given him their best. Yeah, um, easily. You know, mm-hmm. Selwood was in and out of it. Uh, Guthrie no, was in and out like- of it. Second best and third best, those two, yeah. Well, yes, they were, but I don't think that they had anywhere near the influence um, that uh, that Edwards and Bolton, etc., had for Richmond. And then when you take... No, I agree. When you consider that um, Patrick is their best player, the fact that he doesn't figure in their top three, not only is it, is it a commentary on Patrick's game, but also the way Chris Scott used him. And I, I was just flabbergasted, flabbergasted. Because Chris Scott has been saying all year that Patrick's been spending time up forward because of the compressed season, he wants to save him, he doesn't want to overwork him, etc., etc. There's no more games after the grand final. You put your yeah. best players in the coalface in the grand final when it's there to be won. I was just absolutely gobsmacked that he didn't put him in there. If not at the beginning of the third quarter, certainly within five minutes when it was apparent that Geelong were losing control around around the stoppage. It, it was tailor-made for Patrick to get in there and win some contests. And the ridiculous thing is that, as Chris Scott, this is not the first year he's done this. He's done this for multiple years, and they've lost finals because of it. And there has been so much media discussion and everything else about it, and he's had to come out and justify it every single time. Now, if you cannot, as a coach realize that this is what the problem is. You cannot actually listen to other people. Now, sometimes you go, well, they don't know the full facts, everything else yet, fine. But the fact that there are so many finals games where he's done this and they've lost 
and he still keeps doing it. So he's yeah. a good he's 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 a better coach than Ken Hinckley. So he's just slightly better than good. But like he's we said co- last week about Hinckley, he's yeah. never going to win a grand final. It's one dimensional. One dimensional. And the thing of it is, because of the conditions on the ground, Geelong couldn't play that keeping off game, that, that nice um you know, uh, skillful yep. game. Short, they short had kick. To, they had to roll up their their sleeves, and they didn't have enough players willing to do so. I mean, if you look at the stats, there's not a hell of a lot uh, different. You know, uh, Richmond ended up with nine more inside fifties. Uh, the, the disposal efficiency was very similar. Um, you know, Richmond actually lost the hitouts, and as you mentioned, Toby Nankervis had a stinking first half. Um, you know, very close in the clearances. Um, position count very similar I mean there's not a lot different um, you notice that uh, uh, Geelong tried to chip the ball around their marks their uncontested positions were a bit higher but quite frankly Geelong didn't have any other way to play and you could argue that Richmond don't have any other way to play either but I think that might be the beauty of Hardwick's system is that it can be played in all conditions doesn't matter whether it's wet or dry you can play that hustle bustle kind of game um and uh you know it works out whereas uh, the type of game that uh geelong try to play it doesn't it's not easy in, on a slippery night absolutely i mean the interesting thing is that we're talking about hinkley as well as a coach i thought hinkley lost the match last week with his selections and far too tall up uh, up forward and, yep. uh, you know, with a couple of smaller blokes there, they would have won the game, in my opinion, and they might well have become the premiers. And then we've got uh, Geelong that have got their, that particular possession-style game. And, obviously, the windier it is, the wetter it is, whatever it is, if the elements aren't absolutely perfect and there's an element of risk comes into the game, and then when you're playing a team like uh, that uh, Richmond, who absolutely thrive on the chaotic ball, um, so you make one error, they, they swarm over you like honeybees. And... Um, uh, it's not a good style to win a grand final, I don't think. No. Well, and I'll tell you the other team that'll be kicking themselves, bloody Brisbane, shitting the bed against Geelong in the prelim because, uh, yeah. you know, they, they showed the previous... Themselves. Well, you, they showed the previous week that they, they could actually match Richmond at the coalface and with intensity. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a matter of Richmond playing badly that game. Uh, Brisbane just played better. So, um, you know, uh, an inexperienced team, Brisbane, but uh, they may have the right stuff to take it to Richmond in the years ahead. Um, Just in terms of the years ahead, obviously uh, Richmond uh, going strong with their list and and they have a good spread, Richmond still of um, age. So you would think that that squad stays together maybe with a couple of tweaks. So Jack Rewalt looks like he might be coming towards the end, but I'd expect him to go for at least one more season. Um, But aside from that... Aside from that, not too many. Geelong, on the other hand, um, the amount of players they've got over 30 is quite astounding. And uh, it's very odd to me that they're going to throw all their all their um, chips in the Jeremy Cameron basket, considering where their list profile sits. Yeah, you're quite right. The interesting thing is, uh, I think technically, if you look at their list uh, and the number of players they've got that that are going to retire or should retire and haven't got all that much more football in them, uh, I, I think they probably missed their window of opportunity. They mm. Football clubs never see it that way, Fiend. They always think, 
we were that close. We only just need this and we yeah. only just need that. Yeah. And, and, I mean, history will be just littered with teams that do that, but they then they cark it the next year. And, and I would say that um, they, they'll get Cameron, uh, and I, I don't know what that's going to do for their over, to overall situation um, with these ageing players that they've got. And for me, um, I, I think their time has gone. And I think that their, their coach has missed the, they really missed the bus. But uh, they don't see it that way, and I don't. Uh, I, I just can't see them going on from there because uh, there's there probably there is a couple of players that are going to be at least two players that retired, and then and in another year after that, there's going to be probably another two or three. So it, it's to me, it's a, a list that's decaying, and uh, I think that their opportunity is gone. We kind of said that last year, and they yeah. bloody proved us wrong by, get, by getting oh, into this just... damn grand final again. <laughs> but they didn't win it. But, but, they, didn't but they didn't win it, Nick. They didn't win it. Yeah, they didn't win it. They they got there and they just fell to pieces once again. But I, I think you're absolutely spot on. I reckon there's a. I think they're actually going to have to lose more than just two players. We've definitely got Ablett gone. I think they'll. Well, Henderson's gone. Harry, yeah. Harry Taylor. Yeah, and Henderson. Taylor, I think it was Taylor and Abbott were the two I was thinking of. But then you look yeah. at him, and he, he's a real possibility as well. And no, I think he no, has he retired, was, he, hasn't he? He has retired because he was in the, the package beforehand of uh, yeah. retired players. I'm sorry, make that three then. <laughs> no, Taylor hasn't retired yet, um, but he's at the he end of his retired, contract. But he's Yeah, he's at the end of his contract, and he's a liability. And I think they need to clear his contract off the books if they want Cameron. Yeah, and, and he moves about the speed of treacle at the moment. He's very slow. Yeah. Uh, I, look, what you said was very true, Nikki. You're right off Geelong at your peril because they just stick around like a bad virus, um, you know, and they all, we write them off. We think they're going to fall off the cliff and they just keep keeping on. And it's a, look, to be honest, it's a credit to their club um, and it's a credit to the their star players that they've been able to keep on. I think there's some value in having... Um, home ground advantage, advantage down there at the Cattery, but they didn't have that this year. Um, so, you know, they played everyone on the same merits. Um, so you can't begrudge them that. So I am a little cautious about writing Geelong off, um, but you've just got to look at their list profile and you think, you know, Selwood's looking very beaten up. Um, maybe, I reckon, only one, maybe two more seasons left in him. Uh, Mitchie Duncan's still going pretty well. They haven't got a lot coming through. Taylor Hawkins had a great year for his age, but he's also, you know, the wrong side of 30. So, yeah, I don't know. I think they'll be around the place, but I'm very, very surprised that they're going for Jeremy Cameron. And if you're Tommy Hawkins, do you find yourself scratching your head a bit? I mean, first of all... exactly. First of all, Chris Scott continues to play Patrick up forward uh, and clogging up space and almost making Patrick the focal point. But second of all, you've got a, a, a pretty much a similar player in Cameron, although I think he'll play higher than Hawkins, but a similar player in Cameron coming in over the top. And you think to yourself, if you're Tommy Hawkins, geez, what do I have to do to get an open forward line around here? Well, absolutely. Uh, the interesting thing, though, the difference in style of the two teams, um, I meant to mention this a lot earlier, uh, well, the fact that I don't know if you noticed that uh, Stuart for Geelong was left back on his own for uh, most of the game. Yeah. And Richmond they Richmond run an extra person, an extra player on the ball. 
Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why they have the chaos ball, because uh, students in a certain situation, so they'll kick it to a space where there's nobody uh, relying on their, you know, their foot speed to get there. And yeah. it's an interesting, it's interesting situation how, um, you know, when we kids we we're taught the teamwork and do you do this, do you do that. And Richmond have got a policy where, in many cases, you do exactly the opposite. Well. Yes and no, Mac. I mean, it's a good observation because they do. They play that extra guy just on the defensive side of the stoppage a lot of time running through. Um, yep. And that's why they get that hustle-bustle and that, that third overlap handball quite often because they do play that extra player just off the stoppage. Um, and, you know, they they always seem to have um, an open forward line. And, you know, Geelong had Stewart placed very well and, and he was able to take advantage often. But you're right, the way they, they bring the ball into inside 50, it's not always pretty and unpredictable. So, um, you know, I mean, it's teamwork simply because they're they're all on the same page about it. Yep. And another thing I was going to raise, which is very interesting, is that both these teams that played in the in the finals, apart from the fact that they are gen, gen, you know, just gen, genuinely good teams, uh, is the fact that they both were hub teams and uh, spending about a hundred odd days together in a hub, which if you, which I think is going to do one of two things: you're going to blow your team apart or actually weld it together because you're up against each other. You learn more about each other as people, you know, and you you're either going to build up tremendous teamwork or you're either going to sort of uh, it's a very have good point, man. Yep, and. Uh, both these two teams are good teams, and you know they their players love each other. And uh, Richmond was talking about. I mean, at one stage I was a bit worried about Dusty. I didn't know what he was going to do to people. He was getting that excited after the game. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you can see that they actually do genuinely love each other, and uh, and they actually did praise the hub for creating that situation for them. So in a way, their adversity may well have helped them get a grand final win. Mm. And the other thing was that going right back to your comment um, earlier, Fiend, about how they were talking about the Richmond players, they all seemed to have quiet games. They did accept in that that Richmond pressure, which took the step up. We saw it back at the start of the third quarter, and that's every player, every mm. Richmond player brought that pressure, which is what caused Geelong just couldn't get their free ball in the forward line anymore. Whereas in the first half, you could really clearly see how much a loss Floston is and how much he controls that defence. A good um, player. He is a oh, good player. He is. Well, when and, you and lose was, a key player in, in your defence, it's very absolutely. hard to rebalance. And they would have been gagging for that halftime siren just so they could uh, regroup yeah. because they were a mess in the second mm. Because you could see how lost they were. Yeah. And they didn't quite know. They could get the ball and they could kind of flick it out, but then it would come straight back in and they were like, well, hang on, who was supposed to be on that play? You could actually see them getting a little bit angry at each other that little bit because they didn't have somebody controlling the area and it got fixed up and every single Richmond player brought the pressure after half time. Well, I think it's and a really good point, That's Nick. what got it back in the game as well. It's a good point and I think you've got to give credit to Richmond because in the situation that they were in, you could uh, you could forgive them for doing what a lot of teams do, and that's go back into their shells under pressure, um, you know, and start uh, becoming afraid of making mistakes, um, and you know that often 
that often is detrimental to the team trying to make a comeback. But Richmond backed themselves in. They kept hunting impacts. They kept pushing the ball forward. They kept applying pressure, as you say. And they weren't afraid to go the soccer off the ground or the, you know, the tap on or, or what have you. And that's the measure probably... I mean, that's the benefit of having already won two flags probably and not having that additional pressure. But credit to them that they did not stop playing their game. In, in fact, they they re-engaged with their game plan after half-time. Yeah. Um, I feel like in the second Absolutely. quarter they actually their intensity dropped off a little bit, uh, but they re-engaged with their game plan and they went to what they knew worked. And it was actually Geelong uh, that that went away from their game plan under the pressure of Richmond. So, you know, hats off to them. And I put, I put this to you just as we round off the conversation on the grand final. We've had dynasties now since 2000. We've had Brisbane, uh, Geelong, Hawthorne, uh, and now Richmond. Of those, who do you think uh, was the best team of the current uh, millennium? I think the Brisbane teams actually. Uh, they had they had, they played in a, in a different era, and football was played in a different way in that particular era. And they had a, a mighty, mighty midfield. They had a, a, they had four stars in the midfield, and and I, I did like the way they played. Even Ackermanus with his Bloody showing off and all that sort of shit. Um, it was still entertaining. Um, I, I really thought they were a mighty, mighty outfit, and they really should have won four in a row. And it was only unfortunate that they came up against Port Adelaide Power um, when uh, Brisbane, uh, unfortunately, had about three or four players who probably shouldn't have played. Through, you know, they were injured, and uh, mm. they played them, and uh, you know, paid the price as you always do. But it was just. Unfortunate, and uh, Port got the, got you know, and the Port won that game. But I think they were they were a mighty outfit. Nick, what do you reckon? Yeah, it oh, that's a bloody interesting one. I the I, I think you can kind of the similarity between Hawthorne and Richmond, um, just in the terms of it's a coaching system that's implemented, and then it's a team playing for each other in a way, and. Whilst there are some amazing Hawthorne players, I think Richmond pips them just a little bit, just in the the style of game that's played now. Um, I think is it harder in a way. I agree. That's, why, that's why I kind of put Richmond above Hawthorne. But I'm I'm actually with you, Macca, because I wouldn't have initially thought the Brisbane one until he started speaking. Then it's like they were yes, they had that awesome, amazing midfield. But they also had a really good forward line and they had a really good back line. They had stars on every line. Mm. And you also have to put in contention that they're playing grand finals not on their home ground. And I give that a greater weight that you've had to fly down, you're out of your own comfort zone. Sometimes that can help because you're gelling together, like what Richmond have spoken about, that they had to gel together a little bit more this year. Um, But I actually think that, that puts Brisbane to me on on top. Yeah, I've uh, I've just chucked it on uh, on Twitter actually. So uh, if you're listening in, uh, hop onto Twitter and have a crack at the poll. I, I loved the, the the Brisbane team. Um, uh, Michael Voss still one of my favourite all time players. Um, yeah, and I think they had champions at 
in all parts of the ground you know they had a, a fantastic engine room but you people forget you know how good alistair lynch was and um yeah he was know, good wasn't he uh, uh lepich across in the back lines and, yeah lepich and down back Lappin and uh, who was the other forward they had? I always forget his name. He was always a poor relation, but God, he was good. Um, oh, yeah, I can pitch him. I can pitch him. I'm the same because, like, yeah. it's like, ah! One of the, oh, I've had a blank. Um, but, uh, you know, all over the ground they had really, really good players. Um, you know, Simon Black, Ackermanis. Uh, you know, how many Brownlow medals out of that midfield? Amazing. Um, so they've always been my favourite team, but I think um, in terms of the dynasty, I can't go past the Hawks. I think Hawthorne, Hawthorne of that era were very much like Port Adelaide Magpies, um, where they won... Yeah, John O'Brown, thanks, J-Mac, but it wasn't who I was talking about. Yeah, Daniel... Nah, it wasn't Daniel. I can't remember. We'll work it out. Um uh, Last something about the grand final thing. I was going to say about Dangerfield and that incident that he and he has no uh, case to answer. Yeah. And, and, and I actually think that. Well, part Why are we jumping final. back to that? I, well, I just thought we'd missed it. That's all. Well, I haven't finished talking about this yet. <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought you had. That Jesus always Christ! Ruins it for you. When you said buggered, I thought well, that's the end of that. No. So apologies. Carry on. No, that's all right. <laughs> Oh dear, idea. Oh um, no, I, what I was saying is that the uh, the Hawthorne of that era uh, had a lot of Port Adelaide magpies uh, about them. They won games they shouldn't have won. They were never you could never count them out, um, and uh, you know they were they were unbeatable at times. Hawthorne they were unbeatable. Um, so whilst Brisbane were probably my favourite uh, dynasty, I guess of this millennium. I probably think that Hawthorne uh, were the best. Uh, With the Tigers dynasty, it's an interesting time in football, don't you think? And I don't know know whether the opposition is quite there. Like with Hawthorne, there was there was some good teams going around in that Hawthorne era, and same with Lions. There were some good good teams going around in that Lions era. There hasn't been. With, with Richmond, I don't think. Yeah, no, a lot more lame duck teams, if, you, if that's what you're getting at. There's more lame duck teams. But which way, we yeah. won this year. The way I'm looking at it, though, why I put Richmond ahead of Hawthorne was that uh, you had other teams that could actually beat Hawthorne, that Hawthorne really struggled. If they met them, um, they would struggle against them and, and they couldn't do that. But Richmond, because of the type of game that they're playing, it doesn't matter who they come up against. It's generally going to be, generally, Richmond's way because mm. they force the other teams more to change, whereas Hawthorne, you could you could keep your own structures and beat them that way, whereas going up against Richmond, the only way to beat Richmond is to play their way. Mm. Well, I think, I think you're right, Nikki, because of the fact that um, it's all about as I said, but, uh, they can actually play proper footy, but they but they thrive in the chaos. They thrive in the loose ball, and they've got and that's because they've got a lot of quick players with quick legs that are good at ground level at picking up the ball. And uh, um, yeah, it, and, and 
just, you know, Geelong style is never going to beat them. It's never going to beat them because you, you just make errors and they just swoop on you. Um, so I think you're right, Nicky. I think the best way to beat Richmond is to play a typical. And Port Adelaide got close to it. Port Adelaide got very yeah. close to it. And Brisbane uh, did beat them, playing their style. Hmm. Yeah. So I think yeah, I have to hate. It. I hate saying it, but Nicky, very good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even a broken watch and all that. Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but I think though that the, the the thing is you can actually make valid arguments for all three. Absolutely, and, Nick. And, yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and you can kind of sit back and go, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Oh, but I like this. Oh, but that's a good point. Yeah. It's one we can go around in circles, and I think in 20 years' time we can still be arguing it and still not come up with a consensus. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And, you know, it's these sort of comparisons are always very difficult because the the, the eras are different and uh, the environment circumstances are different. Um, the other question I had about the grand final, and we will talk about what you raised, Macker, in a second, but the other point about the grand final... Given that Richmond won and they were the reigning flags, uh, reigning uh, premiers, does this year still have the asterisk that it might have had had another team won? Well, well to me, actually, I don't. That shouldn't be really an asterisk, an asterisk. It should be a star because I think to win the premiership this year is a lot harder than to win it in any other year. Um, Why? And that's, because it because of all the abnormalities. Yeah, you're not, but it's the same for everyone. No, it wasn't. Well, it was. No, it wasn't. Why wasn't? No, South Australian players still lived in their homes and didn't and acted normally. Um, so did Western Australian teams. They they had acted normally. Um, the, the Queensland teams acted normally, um, but the other teams had to live in hubs and all that sort of situation. I think that's uh, uh, and they they were apart from their family for long periods of time, and I, I just think that. To win a flag, for a Victorian team to win a flag this particular year, I think is a greater achievement than if they won it in a normal year. Fair point. Nick? No, I still think there is an asterisk against it because even though, Mackie, you're saying the South Australian players were home, they were in their own homes, etc. they still they had actually restrictions placed upon them as well. It wasn't a normal season even for them. Um so in the normal bed, Nikki, with the, the normal family, with the normal food, all, all that sort of stuff. But they're not allowed to do their other outside activities that they would do as well. They, they, were, they had to remain in, the, in a bubble. Um, and if they broke out of that bubble, there was punishment for them. And that's – there is some difficulty there. Yes, even though you are in your own bed, it's still – we knew that I, – I felt it being in lockdown when we were for – a couple of months, so it's it's not as easy as what you kind of were making it out to be. I, th- I still think there is a, a little asterisk against this season because of the difficulties everybody had to face. Mate, you've convinced it, me. I reckon um, yes, everyone had to face difficulties, and yes, the uh, Adelaide and um, Perth teams. Uh, had restrictions, but they were the restrictions that every team faced. But I, yeah. I must—I don't know whether you caught the Dylan Grimes in, interview uh, today on Channel Nine. Uh, well, that's he what gave, about. He gave an excellent interview uh, and an insight into the difficulties that uh, he personally faced uh, with regards to coming up. Initially, the Richmond boys were only going to come up for twenty-one days, I think, and they ended up being there for a hundred, um, and they caught a lot of flack. 
uh, if you remember at the time for you know kicking up against the hub and all the rest of it um so i'm going to say i'm going to say no to an asterisk um i don't know whether they get a star i think each team had their individual challenges i mean um uh, you know uh, wa and adelaide teams didn't have the benefit of sh- particularly adelaide teams didn't have the benefit of short away games to melbourne um those flights to queensland were a lot longer and they did have to hub it uh, while they're in um uh, Queensland initially as well, Mac. If you don't re- don't remember, so I mean I the Adelaide teams. We did, we did, we did for about four or five weeks here. Yeah. yeah, so the Adelaide and Perth teams did have some travel challenges that they wouldn't have normally faced. Um, but, but I'm not, I'm, I'm going to no 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 not as much. And I think uh, yeah, I think balance of all those issues, um, you're probably right. And that's why I said it was like a little tiny asterisk because particularly that those WA teams, or well, West Coast Eagles, we saw that every time they had to fly up You've had your to say, Brisbane Nick. to play the game. Had your say. I'm backing you up here in a bit. Because no, you're not. I'm not saying it's an asterisk. No asterisk. No, None. I'm saying it's a little one. No, it was no. just a little one because, <laughs> because, of, because of it was so weird for everybody. Uh, no doubt it was a challenging season. You've got to congratulate the AFL for pulling it off. Um, you know, certainly nothing uh, was easy. There was lots of uh, ambiguity and, you know, the fact that they were able to get an 18-round season off uh, and a full suite of finals. Um, you, you know, love or hate them, you, you, you've got to hand it to Gil. I mean, uh, uh, they pulled it off um, when... Everyone, I think, was just waiting for the season to be shut down again. Uh, they managed to pull it off. Yeah, there's many things I hate about the AFL, and particularly their, predict- their prejudice against the Crows. But um, I do say I have to congratulate them for pulling the, uh, this whole thing off. I, I, I was sure, you know, about halfway through, it would backfire somewhere along the line and go, hey, why some team would get, get COVID or uh, somebody would do something drastically wrong and stuff the whole thing up and the state wouldn't let them play there, etc. But... Um, they managed to. I think there was a lot of talking behind the scenes to smooth things over at times as well. And yeah. but I give the AFL a massive credit for getting that through and for having a final series and uh, in the end uh, having a pretty good grand final. Even though you know we've spoken about that at length, uh, but uh, no big credit to the AFL. And also to the Queensland government. Well, no, not so much. Not so no, much. Without that, without their support and willingness to spend how much money? To support that all and make it happen, they can I give you they, the they helped. They helped the AFL out so much. They didn't have a government willing to support them as well as w- what happened up there. I think they deserve some credit too. Queensland in, 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 in a very non-traditional Australian rules football state. Queensland never paid any money at all, Nikki. They got money. They got they got paid fifteen million for the grand final. And also that that was worth about two hundred to three hundred million to their economy with those with those players paying. They, they put some in as well. Um, I don't know whether they did, but I know they got paid fifteen mil. Look, let's be honest. Um, I, I don't agree with you, Nick, because there were three states that were looking to be uh, the hubs. Could have very okay. easily been in South Australia or, or WA. Um, right. You know, uh, Queensland. Uh, 
basically won a, a, a pseudo Olympic bid in terms of who was going to be the host city, to be honest. Um, and, you know, yes, kudos to them. They, they put everyone up and I'm sure the players, if they were going to be anywhere, uh, would have enjoyed being in Queensland the most because of the weather and the facilities, etc. Um, but I don't, you know, I, the Queensland government did not suffer one little bit from having the AFL season played in Queensland and uh, they it certainly didn't cost them any money. No. Not net, anyway. Uh- they apparently, where was it? About five million to ten million they were offering to make sure it got hosted at. They got the grand yeah, final. But how much? Yep. Uh, we're talking about net revenue, Nick. Uh, that's that's an investment. As Maka said, their their economy um, uh, benefited greatly from. Oh having... yeah, but that's. And Nicky, that five million was an, that was their initial published office, and uh, West Australia and South Australia both bid fifteen million. And yep. my understanding is that was matched by the Queensland government. Yep. Yeah. And not only that, those resorts that, that, that house all those teams for, for so long, that they filled their, they filled rooms that they otherwise wouldn't have filled. Yeah, but, and that's you know, bloody I mean, smart by their government. R- Richmond had, uh, yeah, but they weren't the only government to put their hand up. That's what I'm saying. Um, the South Australian and West Australian governments put their hand up as well. Queensland were just lucky hmm. enough to get it. So and, anyway, look, and they and they got a big return on their money, didn't they? Think? Yeah, absolutely right. It was an investment. Um, but look, you know, all all that aside, I think kudos to the AFL. Um, they managed to get a season away, um, and that's all the kudos they'll get from this podcast because uh, uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> they continue to bend us. Normally, they win the Cockwell Milling Numnut Award. So yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. So just the the last comment on the grand final. Um, on Patrick, uh, Mac, you mentioned earlier about his uh, the incident with Vassen in the first quarter. I don't think yeah, there's well, any malice yeah, I, in it, you know, but uh, I still reckon he gets weeks. Well, I can tell you now, if he was a Crows player, he would get weeks. There's no well, doubt Tex about get, that. Tex get six. Yeah, and poor old David McKay, he, you know, he, got, he got rubbed out for, for much, much less than that. But I will say this. If you look at it in slow motion, it's a reportable incident. It's uh, careless, and it goes in. It goes into the category of around about three to four weeks. Uh, if you look at it in real time, I don't know whether he's got time to remove. Well, he had his arm up and for spoiling the ball, and that's in a certain position. I think he probably got a split second, and I mean, I'm talking about really split second, maybe a fraction of a second. Choice: Does he remove his arm and smash his head into him, or does he leave his arm there and smash the other guy's head? And I think that's how how, how it was. And I, I know what I would have done. I would have done what Tangerfield did. So, well, you got to. Um, you got to. I'd say that probably fair. It's probably fair. It mightn't seem fair to a lot of people, but it's probably fair because I don't think he could have done much much else other than kill himself in the process. Well, my first thought was, what was Vlaston going to do? What was Vlaston thinking yeah. of doing? Um, he, he was he was running front on to, to that contest. I don't actually know what his plan was because he wasn't going to get to the ball first. He didn't look like he was trying to smother anything. I think he was expecting Dangerfield to take possession rather than hit the ball away. But yes, uh, it, it, it makes you wonder what, um, what his plan was. You can't look at those incidents in slow motion. I mean, remember when Sloane got done for for uh, the Ebert situation? Um, Describe. And, 
and should never should never have got rubbed out for that. Um, it's the same sort of situation. Uh, Dangerfoot obviously summed up the situation, saw Flasson coming to him, thought, no, I'm not going to take possession because he's just going to wrap me up. So he hits the ball away, and in that split second, it's unless he's got a bionic arm, it's actually completely impossible, impossible to, to get his arm down in time. So... Uh, you know that, that was a football incident, but I still think I still think that Danger will get rubbed out for that. Except he didn't. No, no he's been exonerated. No, no case to answer. Couldn't have done anything else, according to the match. Oh, committee. so that's that's come through. Yeah, yep. it's come through. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just oh, well, that's, we came on air. I'm not actually disappointed with that outcome, to be honest. Well, the the problem with that is though is that what the match committee or the match review panel users against other players is about the head being sacrosanct and you have to protect your opponent first and foremost as your priority. And if they're going on that kind of rules, then danger should have been cited. But mm. they, but they've changed like the rules maybe 15 build orders to suit Sorry. them. Yeah. And, yeah. and they've gone, they've used it as another way. So that's what annoys me. Was I, I think that this is the way it should be. Mm. Um, it actually taking it, and yes, it is a football incident. And the slow motion does not look good for him, but you're spot on. We shouldn't be showing those instances in slow motion. They should be played for the tribunal or for the match review panel. And also for everybody watching, only at full speed. Yeah, because that's because what that's that's the player sees. Yeah. That's what the player sees. Precisely. Um, but the fact that we have TV directors who want to do it in slow motion, and they want oh, no, to—I don't have any problem that, with the TV. Di- I don't have any problem with the TV directors. Um, well, uh, no, because that gets the public rolled up and, and everything um, else, and that's what they then. But they also use it in slow motion in tribunal. They, they, yeah, well, they I mean, have used, yeah, which they shouldn't bloody do. That—that's my point. Is they shouldn't do it in tribunal. Um, if it does get to that stage or the match review panel shouldn't be looking at it in slow motion either. They should only ever be looking at it at full speed as to how it happens. Um, and the other and, agree, problem, agreement on that. Yeah, that, that, that they – the problem is when they they make one rule for one player and another rule for other players, that's, that's my problem with the match review panel and that's a problem we've had for years with them. They're not consistent because yeah, they but, won't do precedent. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's all well and good. I, I think I have a, you know, we could talk blue and, talk about the MRP until we're blue in the face. But specifically <laughs> to the do. danger field situation, I think that was uh, intelligent. Um, yeah. And uh, I think it was the right outcome. Right, so grand finals out of the way. Uh, there's been not a lot to talk about with the Crows this week. We've already covered the fact that uh, we've had a couple of um, free agents, uh, Hardigan and uh, Crouch, um, elect to go another way. I just want to finish this off, and we won't uh, we won't go too much longer because uh, we'll use next week's chat uh, to really smash into the uh, the trade period and free agency period. But uh, just a, a short. Well, I've done all the research here too, Fee. Well, next, it's just a bit early. Week. It's just a bit early, Mac. Uh, next week, I think the cast will be. Uh, I think we'll have some further clarity on the, on the Crouch situation, etc. 
Um, well, we will. We will. That's true. That, that, that is the big. That, that is the big question mark. Is uh, just a, a very quick talk about the Crows situation. That uh, they his manager was on five double A, and they you know uh, Roe kept pumping him and pumping him and trying to get him to tell us if what was going to be offered by the Saints to uh, Crouchy was enough to get us picked too. And he kept avoiding it and kept avoiding it and so on. But he did then say at one stage, talk in general terms, he said, well, in general terms, you would think it would be good enough. And so what I'm worried about is the fact is that I believe that the offer that uh, Crouch has got is going to be good enough technically to get us picked too. But the AFL keep talking about they have this capacity to look well, at... Well, they don't keep talking to... about anything. They've said nothing. Uh, no, they have actually issued a statement saying that... that no, they haven't issued a that... statement. Well, it has come out that... that, that it's come out, it came but out. from... No, no apart from a leaked about... email, from, apart from a quote-unquote leaked email that, that got run yeah, in, okay. in, the, in the Herald Sun or wherever, the AFL have yes. not made one statement about this situation, well, not one. Well, allegedly they have the power then, which is actually in part of it, I think, to overrule what the numbers say and put their own ruling on it. Yeah, now, they well, never did I that mean... with Frawley, and they never did that with Frawley when he got picked three, but they also never did that uh, with Buddy when he when he got picked to 19 or 20. They've just said, let the numbers do the, do the talking rather than do the thinking. Why would yeah. they then want to apply any thinking to Crouch? Well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. The, I've, got, I've got an issue with... You're, you're, you're doing the big footy thing, right? Because Am I've I? been... Yeah, because I've been reading big footy for the last week and all this hand-wringing and crap about the, what compensation we'll get... Well, I haven't read it. It's it, just my thoughts, yeah. It's all, it's all bloody speculation. The simple fact is that the rules are very murky with... Or the, not the rules, the... the the calculation uh, for compensation is very murky, and the AFL have said they've done that rightly or wrongly on purpose so that the clubs don't game the system. Um, mm-hmm. They have also within that rules uh, are the uh, the AFL gives themselves the right to um, to uh, address any anomalies that get thrown up as a consequence of, the, of their formula. Uh, so that that's that's all the way out there. That that's that's. That's their factual statements, right? And they've been, that's been the fact for ever since free agency was around. So that's nothing new. Everything else about this is pure speculation. Everything else. The AFL haven't said anything else. Brad's manager isn't going to know whether what Brad's been offered is enough to get the Crows banned one because he's not privy to the decision. So it would be uh, ridiculous of him to come out and say, "Oh yes, you know, it's enough to get Brad uh, to get Adelaide Band One," because he doesn't know how much is enough to get Brad Band One. No one even knows what list sizes are going to be next year. No one knows what salary cap situation is going to be next year. So there's no way that anyone can make a definitive statement right now whether what St Kilda have offered uh, Brad will be sufficient to get. Um, Adelaide band one compensation and then you throw in the fact that the AFL can correct anomalies if they think that the calculation is an, is an anomaly then they'll make their own choice anyway so and then you can't, there's, a you can't factor tr- as well. there's an appeal court as well yeah well, that's right Both so at the out. moment at the moment you can't 
anyone that's trying to make a definitive statement about this is is just pissing up against the wall because no one's in a position to make a definitive statement. What I will say, though, is this. You've got a situation where uh, a lot of people are looking at this as if it's a trade situation and they're looking at fair value. The free agency compensation system is not about fair value. It's about compensation and is designed so that the, the, the lower clubs are rewarded for losing quality players to other clubs, right? So, and that's why we have a band situation, band one, band two, band three, etc. right? It just so happens that Adelaide came last this year, so the band one compensation is a pick after your first round pick, which for us is pick two. If we'd have finished top, it would have been pick 19. A lot of people are jumping up and down saying that Brad Crouch isn't worth pick two. That's not the bloody point. Because it's not a player well, value system. It's it's a compensation system. Having said that, if the AFL, if the AFL deemed that um, the contract that St Kilda got in the formula through band two compensation, which is end of first round pick, then you've got a situation where after academies and all the rest of it, the first end of first round pick is likely to be about twenty one. Now, is that fair compensation for Brad Crouch? Of course, it's not. So the people that are throwing up the the people that are throwing up, well, you know, uh, pick two is uh, not fair trade value. Well, pick twenty or twenty one is not fair trade value either. So everyone needs to sit there. That's the whole down. Victorian press, mate. Of course, the whole Victorian press. Oh, and, of course. But the whole point I'm getting at is this: is that Adelaide won't know. They have to either say they either have to uh, agree to allow him to go and then accept whatever compensation comes without knowing what it's going to be, or they're going to have to guess and think that they're not going to get, if if they think that way, that they're not going to get a band one compensation and then reject it so they can trade and get a better offer. Because the one thing that we don't want to do is get pick 21 for Brad Crouch. No, that's exactly right. Um, I'm not sure how that mechanism works, because you would think... You don't know till after. You don't know till after. That's the problem. So and that is a problem. So if St Kilda give Brad seven hundred, for example, over three, the Crows would probably be thinking, "Oh, do you know that's pretty borderline," um, and they'd match. But if the Saints gave Brad, I, I think anything seven fifty and above over three, the Crows would probably take the punt. Don't you think? Well, you know, apparently it's a five year contract. I don't think we're arguing about that. Apparently, it's a five year contract he's got. Well, whatever it is, um, but the the and, length of the contract doesn't impact the, the calculation for compensation. It's money. It's money. But is it the one year money? I'm, 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 no, it's, it's the average the value long-term. over the term. Average value over the term of the contract. So that yes, that right. takes into account front ending, back ending, trigger clauses, blah blah blah. Okay, right. so it's the average value of the contract, average annual value of the contract over the period of the contract. So. Whether it's three years or five years, it doesn't make any difference. It's it's the average. So I would think an average base salary over the period of the contract, whatever it is, of seven fifty would be sufficient, don't you? I would. I, I, I would. But then it comes in the, the, the possibly the AFL's discretion. And what does worry me is 
the so much of that bloody Vic media carrying on, will that influence AFL, who bow to so. Victorians all the time anyhow? So that's only that, that is my concern. The uh, the other thing that um, I think that the contract, uh, the one thing that Brad's manager did say was that uh, contrary to all the press reports that and all the carry on and the high, the hue, the crew carry on that uh, he would lose a lot of money out of his indiscretion. He said there has been no change in the monies being offered at all. Oh, he said of course, there's there no, no reductions whatsoever. He said that it's, it's yeah. uh, as if the incident never happened in terms of money. So, uh, and so and you would have to think that you would have to think it's going to be seven hundred or seven fifty. Yeah, I, so, I didn't think. I, I didn't I, think that drug. I didn't think that drug indiscretion was going to have an impact. I don't think. I think we all agree that that wasn't going to be the case, um, and it doesn't surprise me at all that that's not the case. The, the other thing that I thought that if and Ad, Adelaide would be talking to, well, they, and they are talking to St Kilda, and um, they will know obviously, obviously what uh, Brad's going to be paid, um, and if they think that that. And, then, and, and uh, Rory made us at this particular point, and I think he's right. He said that any list manager worth his salt would be that clued up with what's going on with what other people pay and getting paid because you have to be also in a certain percentile to get to, be, to get bad one. So he has to, our list manager has to know what top players are getting in other clubs or pretty close to what they're getting. Um and if I think that if Adelaide think that it might be just a smidgen short, then, you know there has been talk and uh, rumours and suggestions that perhaps independently, but not really, but independently, uh, they raise Brad's salary by a bit to make it get uh, to the point where it probably would get through, and that we take off their hands of players, say such as Luke Dunstan, who. Probably uh, was a regular in their side. Uh, he got injured this year. And he only played the one game uh, early. Got injured. Oh, then they had the break, and then he then he had an injury and couldn't get back in. So, um, and that would also relieve them of some salary pressure because they've got also other players coming in as well, and Brad coming the, in. So they don't, they don't have any salary cap pressure, Matt. No, they don't. They don't. But it's a situation they might be happy to. Trade off perhaps a Luke Dunstan for a draft pick in the say in the twenties. So I just wonder no, whether I can't see you can't. I can't see it happening. No, the the only reason I could see them trading Luke Dunstan, but it doesn't necessarily have to be to the Crows. I don't look. The simple fact is is this, Macca, and this is where people are getting hysterical about something that really has a long way. Oh, to I'm not hysterical. Out. I just no, no. I'm not saying you. Idea. I'm not saying you. I'm saying people. Like, the simple fact is that Adelaide have said that if we can't get what we want for, for him uh, through free agency, we'll happily re-sign him. So there's step one. We're not trying to push him out the door. We'd prefer, the, the whole issue with Brad Crouch is that the club have recognised that it gives us an opportunity for, for pick two in the draft. Right? That's number one. Yeah. Right? So immediately, if a club... Well, the second part of that is that St Kilda want him. St Kilda aren't doing Adelaide any favours by saying, hey, we want Brad Crouch. St Kilda want him because they think that he is going to be integral to their push into premiership contention. So you've got St Kilda wanting him and you've got Adelaide going, well, we're happy to let him go, but only if we get a good free agency compensation, which is not pick 20, right? 
so definitely not. So so immediately that's that's a situation where it's a where it's a seller's market because St Kilda have to make sure that whatever terms they put through to Brad are sufficient for Adelaide to go, yep, we're not going to match. We're happy to keep him on our books. So St Kilda, if they want Brad Crouch, which they obviously do because otherwise they wouldn't put a contract in front of him, they have to make that contract attractive enough not only for Brad but also for the Adelaide Footy Club to go, yeah, all right, you have him. The second part of the, of the the second part of the situation is that it is in St Kilda's best interest to avoid a trade situation at all costs. So, if if they don't stump up enough money to put it beyond doubt that Adelaide are going to get band one compensation and Adelaide match, then two things happen: either Brad plays for Adelaide next year, or St Kilda are going to have to work a trade. Now, St Kilda and have not got a strong hand in terms of offer, of, of uh, trade currency. No, so it's going 15, to cost them... They've got 1558, 73 and 87. They, exactly. haven't, they haven't, got the, haven't got the currency. Exactly. So there's another thing. The third thing is that St Kilda might think that Brad's worth 700,000, right? But St Kilda aren't under salary cap pressure at the moment. They aren't under salary cap pressure at the moment. And as we've said before... They'd be happy, in my view, to pay an extra hundred grand a year over three years or five years or whatever it is, to save themselves having to fart ass around with pick fourteen or whatever they've got and all the other stuff they'd have to do to try and get Brad over the line. You know, they're paying a hundred thousand a year over the course of Brad's contract to save themselves having to use picks. It is a no-brainer, in my opinion, an absolute no-brainer that if St Kilda are serious about having Brad Crouch in their squad next year, they will stump up enough to guarantee, or as much as they can, guarantee that Adelaide have pick one, uh, have band one compensation for Brad. There won't be any doubt. There won't be any question. And if there's anything other than that, then St Kilda aren't serious about having Brad Crouch on their books. That's my view. Well, and as as somebody puts in the chat quite rightly, and I, and I do agree with everything you said, by the way, um, is that uh, that the, if they do pay an extra hundred grand a year, it also guarantees they keep a first round pick in their pocket as well. Well, that's exactly what I just said. That they don't have to spend picks; they're spending a hundred thousand dollars extra so that they don't have to spend their pick. And a hundred thousand dollars in the grand scheme of things is bugger all. And it has been said that they, they've got a, a fair carryover from past years, which has to be used, by, I think, by the end of 2021. They have, they, uh, yes, they are not under salary cap pressure. They do have the money to spend, and they probably have the money to overspend. And to be honest with them, they can go on a deficit as well. So, look, the simple fact is, Mac, that logic tells you that St Kilda want, uh, will want to pay Brad enough to make it an easy transaction. so that And Brad has come out and said the clubs are working together to try and get the best deal for all parties. Right? I don't... I don't th- all this hand-wringing and all this, all this speculation and all this fodder from the Victorian press is all just a smokescreen. This situation is going to be handled quickly and effectively. Adelaide will get band one compensation. Everyone will bloody have a hissy fit about it and we'll have fucking pick two and they can all get stuffed. Simple. Well, I hope you're right because my only one theory is everything I 100% agree with everything you said. 
my only one fear is that even if we do get it right in terms of what the dollar value is, is that uh, the AFL have never done us any favours. You know, no, that's one not true. Fight. No, it's, it's, because the, the 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 AFL would be laughed at if they said to the Crows, Brad Crouch, a fair compensation for Brad Crouch on 800 a year at St Kilda as a 26-year-old ex Bess and Ferris is pick 20. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Right. Fiend, I just hope you're right. Yeah, more faith in the AFL than I do. But, um, it's not, a, it's look, not about and... having more faith in the AFL. It's just trying to apply some logic. Put it this way. If it does happen and we end up getting pick 20, then it's just further confirmation that we're in a completely corrupt system and we might as well just forget about it. But I think the AFL is pretty corrupt in the, in the sense of the way that they handle things. Um, they, and, they, you know, they they do what they like. They have they, The rules vary all the time. No, I, I just don't trust them. I really don't. And, you know, that time with the Tippet Affair, um, if you go right back to that, the, the way that we were treated in that particular situation, we got it treated as badly as Carlton did with when they actually were rotting, rotting with bags of money. Let, let's not forget that in that period of time we had one of the greatest manipulators running the AFL in Demetrio. Yeah. Right? He was he was a he was a political beast, he was a manipulator. Um he did deals all the time. I don't McLaughlin for all his for all his flaws doesn't operate like that. Um we also had uh during that time I think Adrian Anderson was uh C- CFO or something as well. An- another asshole. Like uh, he wasn't. He wasn't. Adrian Anderson wasn't. Two that are brought up through politics. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think. I don't think that we have. We've also had a turnover on the commission as well since that time. So I don't think, as much as the AFL uh, at times are incompetent, I don't think that they are at the same level of corrupt or inept as what Demetrio and Anderson were back in the day. Well, I look at the, that, that deal they signed on the MCG for that 300 years or whatever it is so that, to make sure that no no uh, non-Victorian team can have a home fi- home grand final. I think that was corrupt. Well, quite possibly. I don't know whether it's corrupt or just uh, the way it is. But... Well, no, it, it's look, anyway, disingenuous. Let's, it, yeah, dis- so... absolutely disingenuous. But I don't, I don't think that uh, the thing that... The thing that makes it difficult for the AFL to manipulate the situation is the fact that we pick bottom, uh, we finish bottom, which means that, that there's such a disparity between band one and band two, and there's no disparity between band two and band three. So for us, band two is end of first round pick, band three is a pick after our second round, which is essentially about three picks down the track. So yes. if you're giving us band two compensation for Brad, you're basically giving us band three compensation for Brad, which reportedly we're in line to be getting for Rory Atkins. So you're going to give us the same compensation for Atkins as you are for Brad Crouch? You're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah. I would put yeah. your letterbox on the fact that we end up with pick two, Mac. Well, I've lost, I've lost three of the fuckers, mate. Don't risk your letterbox yeah. on it. <laughs> but, oh, I have. I've lost three. And one destroyed, so, and they've well, the other, expensive. And one, yeah. and one of those lovely concrete ones, and that somebody pushed that over and smashed it. <laughs> and then the yeah. next one, they stole them on the show. Yeah. Very gone. 
Look, uh, the other thing is uh, we've obviously got Hardigan and, and Atkins as two other free agents, um, uh, both likely to... Um, well, Atkins in particular will get us some compensation. I don't know about Hardigan. Uh, it's been offered a two-year deal with... Three. Um, a three-year deal, Ridley. is it? Yeah. Yeah, three-year deal. Ridley yeah. reported is a two, but apparently it's a three. Right. So exactly. uh, is it two with a trigger or three? No, apparently it's three. And if that's the case, is it, you know, I, I saw that corrected somewhere that originally reported as two, and then the same person said... Uh, apologies, it's a three-year contract. Yeah. If that is and if that is correct, then I think that would have to trigger um, third-round compensation. Uh, probably banned through. No, it'd be banned. It'd be. Uh, I don't think it'd be the same banned. as Atkins because it depends. It's not the length, uh, Mac. It's the money. Well, the money it'll be banned for then. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Atkins. Really that- Atkins gets five hundred over over. Five or whatever, which is why we get paid for him. He's apparently, he's apparently five by five, yeah. Yeah. Five years, 500. Yeah. So the other thing that happens with all of this compensation is that we are absolutely chock-a-block full of picks in this draft. And as we said before, it's probably not the draft that you really want to be chock-a-block full with picks. But what it means is we've got a hell of a lot of currency to either go crazy and cause chaos by bidding on every academy player known to man in the draft and messing everything up or um, trying to trade into next year's first round. So it'll be interesting to see, and we'll talk about, I don't want to get hung up too much on it, but we'll talk about it more on uh, the cast next Sunday. But just briefly, Mac and Nick, we're going to have about freaking 10 live picks the way we go. 11 out of 75. And will we, by then, actually still not know what list size is supposed to be? Well, I think we can work on. The, I think we can work on the fact that um, the maximum it'll be reduced by a three, and it might even be only reduced by two because that's the thing that's been holding it up. Originally, uh, I think the AFL were trying to get five, and uh, the, the players' association are digging in and they're digging in and they're trying to reduce it and reduce it. And uh, the latest talk is uh, originally everybody was saying, could, well, they said 35 originally, which was stupid. Uh, it was uh, 40, but now they're talking 40 plus 2 or 42. And the, I think the players association are trying to get it even less. So it's, I think I'd say if you worked on three, you'd be pretty right. Yeah. Um, pretty safe, anyhow. There was talk about a reduction in the TPP, which might still happen, but I don't think a reduction in the TPP actually impacts our free agency situation simply because everything will be prorated down uh, along with it. Uh, well, an article in the paper said actually that's one of the things that's going to hurt us, that um, uh, that Brad Crouch's contract will be compared to what it was before any reduction. Ah, bullshit. No, no, and I thought, so how can you do that? That's just no, not logical. It's just bullshit. It's just people trying to get clicks. If they reduce the TPP, they will prorate the system. It's as simple as that. They they couldn't do anything else. They would be open to action if that was the case. They, they just couldn't I, do it. I agree with you, but, but that has been idiots like Corns and that publish things like that. Well, all that's the time. A, that's the thing. We're, that's a, that's a problem. We've got Jay Clark and and bloody Rowan. What's his face? Tweeting absolute bullshit on Twitter. Um, ab- like I, I, 
Jay Clark has been drunk for three weeks, I reckon, on this matter. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. <Yeah. laughs> I think you might be right, B. Like, it just is palpable how much disdain they have for non-Victorian clubs. It really is. Uh, it's quite embarrassing. Um, don't and be embarrassed. We will, we, will, we will have a lot to talk about next week. As you say, we will know what Adelaide, whether, whether our list manager is a good list manager and he has worked it out right and whether, whether, he, whether he withdraws uh, if he doesn't think it's going to happen or whether he accepts it and it does happen correctly, as you say. Um, and we'll know the Brad Kraut situation and we'll also know, I would because I think it would be pretty quick. And I think the same with uh, uh, Atkins, I think, will just happen straight away. And yeah. obviously Hardigans will happen straight away. So yeah. we'll actually know what we're talking about next week with what we've got. Yeah, yeah. So, I've got... already done the homework for that fee. So. Well, that's good. You'll be prepared for next week, mate. Um, we've also got a you know, people, few uh, players still under, out of contract. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays I think out. Get rid once. Of more. We've got three yeah, I think that's... Galucci, Paholke, McKay and Crocker and two, are, two of them I reckon will have to go. Well, I reckon uh, without delving into another conversation because we're just about out of time, I reckon Crocker's one definitely uh, that will uh, uh, be cut. And uh, I would have said Strawn, but he got re-signed. So um, the other one's a bit of a... Whether David McKay decides to retire or... No, he's well, playing well, on. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's... Uh, It'll be, it'll be a Hockey or McKay. Anyway, I reckon we'll wrap it up at this stage. What do you reckon? Okay. It's been yeah. a good hour and a half. Nikki, are you still there? Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I have a Thanks for uh, Just to finish up on the, uh, on the tweet uh, about which dynasty was the best, um, looks like the Hawks, followed by the Lions. Does that surprise you? Was the cat still on zero? Yeah. Uh, no, the cats. The cats are on two point five percent. We must have a um... one person. Yeah, but I reckon the Vic, the Vic, all the Vic people vote for the more of them. All right. Anyway, uh, thanks everyone for uh, joining in tonight. It's been fun. Don't forget, you can uh, join up our Discord channel. Uh, just go to our website and click on the Discord link. Um, oh, I can't get my bloody camera to work on this one. How ridiculous. What's going on? <laughs> Not all. Good night, uh, all. Hang on, I haven't said goodbye yet. <laughs> hang on, it's taking me good night back. God, you people are funny. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the music going in the background. Well, I can hear yeah, the background as well. I, I just loop it now because, like, I know that as soon as I sign off, Nikki's going to say something, <laughs> and then um, you know it's just going to be back to where we started again. So, me trying to actually be good for once and not do the naughty thing, and you tell me off. I'm not telling you off, Nikki. I'm not telling yeah, you. Tell her off. Tell her off. <laughs> tell her off. No, it's a. Uh, What's going on here? Honestly. Anyway, uh, look, thanks very much for joining us. You can uh, follow us on Patreon if you like. Thanks to all those patrons on Patreon and uh, look out for a couple of things to our patrons uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, If you're listening on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button and also hit the notifications bell as well. 
that's it thanks Maka thanks Nikki uh, you're both legends thanks to all the legends in chat uh, love you all catch you later see you next week yep yep not all second time good night